Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, we are back in full effect, in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And I am here with uh, definitely a young man that has covered a lot of ground. And uh, more so than anything, as I always know him and I'm always asking about him, his dad is one of my closest and biggest mentors I know. And there's yes, very sir. few people on that list. My <laughs> my cherished big homie, Adawu Muhammad, but yes, we got sir. Jaleel Muhammad in full effect. How you yeah, feeling, I'm my brother? Well, thanks be to Allah, God. It's always an honor and pleasure to be anywhere where my people are. You yes, know, that's sir. where I want to be. And so... Wherever the sphere or circle, that's where I make myself present to be, okay. especially when I'm called on, and that's and I make it a point. So, um, it's an honor to be with here with my brother Kyrie. I mean, we we kind of like brothers. Yes, sir. <laughs> we get, yes, sir. And grew up together in yes, different sir. homes. <laughs> yes, sir. And so being able to get the same wisdom from my father, mm-hmm. um, and then seeing your growth and development from as an artist activists in in that area and always being present wherever we are in Detroit mm-hmm. wherever our people are you you've made yourself present and so that's always been my honor to be to call myself your brother in a real way and not just in the sense that we both black in America in Detroit mm-hmm. but a real brother to say oh what's up bro you know yeah yes sir <laughs> and, you yes, know sir. It, we, it's definitely bro you know just yes. just shy of coming to the family reunion yes sir <laughs> and so so that's been a, an honor so I'm I'm excited to be here uh, with you and and talking and being able to opportunity to speak to your audience and your sphere of people that I'm sure have are influenced under um, your wokeness mm. that that didn't just come in a vacuum of trend and yeah. it's it, been a reality for some time. Yeah, it, it, it's taken a while and definitely uh, through your family, especially your dad. He's uh, he's helped put some of the, these wild thoughts into somewhat <laughs> of a perspective yes, to. Sir empower myself in the community uh you know he always presents information he's like well brother you gotta <laughs> and it's like oh yes, man yeah it's like oh this <laughs> I, i'm not even gonna have a plain answer with this man <laughs> right no i gotta go back never. into the wheelhouse of my never. philosophy mm-hmm. never gonna <laughs> have a challenging my yes. intellect <laughs> yes you just got a glimpse of what it was like for us in the house growing up. You just got a little bit of it. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think about this? And like, just be prepared for at least 15 to 30 minutes of conversation for one question. It's like, so, uh, so does that mean I can play outside? Or <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> or do what time? Homework? What is the exact time can we do this? Yeah. So, um, so with that, how Detroit is different stories always start, and I know definitely a little bit of this, what led your family to come to the city of Detroit? What were the roots uh, that led your people here? Um, based on what, what the history that I have, um, which is still a pretty, it's kind of a constant evolving thing mm-hmm. um, because I'm learning more and more from my family as we go. And I recently saw that um, there's a nonprofit in, out of New York City that's offering free trips, birthright trips, to the homeland, to wow. the motherland of Africa. And I was like, well, let me go apply. Mm-hmm. It said 15 to 30. I'm 32, but I'm going to try to work away. Okay. I'm going to find a way to make this you birthright. You're going to slide in. <laughs> but we have we have deep roots in uh, Mississippi and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother on my father's side is from uh, Meridian, Mississippi. Um, my, so um, 
his his mother's from Meridian, mm-hmm. and um, on my mother's side, um, Montgomery, Birmingham, um, my uh, my grandfather, he recently passed. May mm-hmm. Allah be pleased with him, uh, Joe Gray, and that's my mother's father. Um, and we visited him and his family in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the top of the, really the top of the year. Mm. Um, and so getting in touch with some of my um, brother, I mean, cousins mm-hmm. and um, uncles who are my age, you know, you got, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got I got, you know, a 35-year-old uncle, 32-year-old yeah. uncles yep. who the same age. And so just kind of reconnecting with them. But those those early roots uh my my great grandfather um he was in fought in vietnam mm. and they came up here mm-hmm. all the working and he was a soldier and so those were some of my early memories um the north end they stayed with the, uh, we uh, we moved we ended up moving it into their house mm. on the north end my grandparents my uh, great grandparents lived there mm-hmm. on my father's side um and some of my fondest memories was going there and sitting at his feet at his chair and he was just telling us his war stories hmm. you know me and my siblings while my sisters were you know with my grandmother braiding her hair mm-hmm. um vividly right kind of remember vividly it for sure the last you know maybe five or six years while my grandmother was still alive because she 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 went on first mm-hmm. um and when she passed we we moved into that house and that's where the bulk of my childhood was right there in the north end yeah um, right no, north end Detroit, right near by northern high school um right there on Hague. Hmm. so that was like the bulk of me growing up like the the center of my childhood was there of course my early days was on the east side life right around the detroit airport yeah um all of that over there and pretty much my whole family stayed on that block yeah. Um my my grandmother owned the house we lived in. She she owned the house next door and my aunt and uncle stayed down the street right across from each other. So we were at one point we were all on the same block. Um literally on the same block. So my cousins across the street on both sides of the street we stayed on one block. And that was on life on the east side. Yeah. And uh definitely deep roots around that Kettering neighborhood. Yes, definitely. Big yes. Time. My parents both are graduates of Kettering. Okay. My father, my fa- my father, he said he went. Um, he had to go to twelfth grade twice, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and 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 thank be to Allah for his mentor Clifford Sykes, mm-hmm. who helped him and guided him on his way. Yeah. Um, and and if you've ever met uh, Clifford Sykes, he's a very eclectic, but he's very super intelligent. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just one of them kind of brothers that does. He did not play any kind of <laughs> games, and so if you know my father, it takes a special kind of person that really was able to, you know, guide and rear. And so, mm-hmm. from what my father gave, he was the reason why. Um, both he 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 kind of helped them focus and complete school, and kind of put him on his road to uh, his eventual uh, joining in the nation and. He said before, before they came in, him and my mother had already started kind of doing their vegetarian diet already, mm-hmm. and and then the minister came in. Um, we were at Lincoln University, mm-hmm. and in eighty July of eighty one when they first heard him, 
into that. They were kind of already prepping themselves, which they didn't know, but it was kind of that eventual role. But our family roots have been deep here, but Mississippi and Alabama, and I have like, once I, when I'm there, I kind of feel that connection there. And so we have a, uh, just from what my, my, uh, my great grand on my mother's side, she gave us just on that small part of that history and my, uh, my great grandfather, my uh, maternal great grandfather, um, who everybody said I remind uh, them of him. His mm-hmm. name was Percy Lucifer Green. That is a <laughs> southern name if it ever was one right there. That and he is, said he uh, said he sat on the porch. That sounds like a man that can make some good barbecue. <laughs> And, like, who? and he kept two pistols on him at all times. Percy Greens. <laughs> like, we going over here for Percy Greens. Yes, Greens. Indeed. <laughs> and, and so that was, um, so you had the uh, Greens. And then on my father's side, it was facing. Okay. And then the, um, so my, my mother and father, they, those two was my father's family being from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mother. Alabama, yeah. yeah, and you know, you know a lot of this history, uh, yeah. as I can tell that you, you're soaking it up, and you answered so many of the next questions that I <laughs> naturally would have asked. So now I can just kind of expound on some of those questions. North End, as a kid, as that neighborhood is flagged uh, by many things to most people. So mm-hmm. people think Northern High School. Yeah. People think a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think Dolores Bennett when I think of the North End. Yeah, but Bennett, uh, sure. but. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Miss Bennett. I always yes, love Miss yeah, Bennett. Yeah, I'll be pleased with Miss Bennett. She was an OG for real. <laughs> OG for And she did not play that little baby children, child, kid game. She did not. And she got the respect of yes. the young people because of that. I mean, she had, I've never seen, like, the way that certain people talk about neighborhood figures mm-hmm. and everything, like, of, like, like straight up street gangsters to yeah. Yeah. you know uh, people struggling with addiction mm-hmm. to almost every level you know pastors politicians yeah. like almost sure. every level of people uh, connected with her yes and respected her mm-hmm. and her family yeah see I think she had she had very um, those old fashioned you know big ma mm-hmm. roots and you did. And that was a that was a line of authority that would didn't that was not crossed even by religious bound. You always respected in that way, mm-hmm. and she may not have claimed any religious anything. I, I, I she she <laughs> was very uh, <laughs> she was another one of my favorite big homies. But yeah, she called upon like anything. She's like, you gonna you gonna come up here and talk to these kids? And I'm yeah. like, they ain't trying to hear what I'm trying to say. And she was like, talk to these kids. And then I'd be you know t- rapping with the little homies. Uh, so much of what he, she spent in the park. But what was the North End like growing up for you in that, like, uh, 80s, 90s area, 90s time as, mm-hmm. you know, that was when North Northern High School was still open. Most people know it yeah. as the, what is it, the DIA. I, and I'm not sure if that's even still open now. The, yeah, uh, they may have changed the name of the uh, women's or yeah, it was the, all, the girls, school. girls school. But Northern High School, just in its roots and what it represented, um, what was North, what was, the North End like? Um, we got there, I would say, I'm trying to remember. We moved in 97, the end of 1997. Okay. Um, so uh, we, um, I just remember 
it was snowing the day that we moved in. So I mm-hmm. know it was around November 97. Um, my grandmother had passed, I believe, September when we moved in sometime after that. And so, like, the first fullness of it, you know, summertime was that 98, 1998 summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very much so um, – it, there was a the dope spot across the street, directly yeah. across the street from us. Yeah, two doors down, another dope spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that my father, um, he was not going to have his children being raised around drugs and dope dealers. Not in that in that vicinity. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. And so, <laughs> you know, he if you know Daoud Muhammad, he didn't play those kind of games. He was a very straight talker, um, mm-hmm. and still is to this day. And so yeah. when he saw and went to, when he talked to them, you know, you know, y'all need to, you know, pretty much shut it down, yeah, and leave. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you know, if you know any 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 dope boys, that's not like a reality that they're like, man, who is you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, very, it's very like, much. you know, who's you? So. I've been here, you know, I do that, whatever, whatever. And he let them know, you know, well, you don't be, you won't be here long. Because I'm not going to have, we can be respectful in all of that and have cordial conversation, but I'm not going to let my children be raised around mm-hmm. this reality. Yeah. Um, being, um, of course, at this time, he's the, the, the minister at Mosque Number 1. And, of course, it, that's not the reality that he was going to have his children up under. And so I remember the day when the, the dope house across the street was being shut down and the police came and raided. Mm-hmm this spot and my father stood right out in the middle of the sidewalk with his and looking across mm-hmm. while, as they brought them out mm-hmm. and just like pretty much like okay and the crazy thing is we had friends in the house mm-hmm. a young brother that we that we were close with yeah and seeing that that was kind of a, a surreal reality because we grew up um we we lived on the east side I said Lifer area. Then we moved um, west, Grand River and Northline area. Yeah. And so that wasn't like a that wasn't a, a prevalent thing. Not in that area. That no. you know Grand River, that Northline North Greenline that's area. Kinda, that's like that Rosedale Park. Yeah, it's like Rosedale yeah. Park. You know your older seniors. Mm-hmm. They pretty much the lines is cut and they keep it crispy. Yeah. And the young people that came with grandchildren and yes. you, we, you know we made friends with them. But that wasn't a reality that we had to face. So that was my first really kind of like, you know, tactile reality. And even even in that East Side neighborhood, because you had so much family over yeah, there. Yeah, you didn't. It, it was, was like a, you, know, you, you didn't. Were, <laughs> it was oblivious thing. Yeah, like my, yeah. my uncle, um, my uncle Charles, uh, may Allah be pleased with him. He recently passed, but mm-hmm. he was in the game in the day, you know, chain gang, the Coneyonis. Mm-hmm. And and I found out with the Coneyonis, they said it was, they were trying to say Coleone, but uh-huh. they couldn't say Coleone from Godfather, <laughs> so they were the, they were the Coneyonis. Coneyonis. <laughs> so, but he was a part of those gangs. Mm-hmm. And so he had a he had a name on the east side. Yeah. And so they didn't mess with us in that way. And yeah. so even if they existed, we never knew nothing about it because it was, that it was, was Charlie's. Unaware. Yeah, it was like, yeah. that was Charlie's people, like, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And so even if our neighbors mm-hmm. were or families were in that, they didn't bother us in that way. Mm-hmm. That was never a thing that we had to to to, to experience. So that was my first and like lived a living reality of seeing like, oh, this is what a dope house looked like. And you that know? and that reality around that time. 
because the North End was still so heavily populated Big time. with people too. Big time. And it wasn't as desolate as some of the other neighborhoods. No. Um, and then you also still have like this wealth of a lot of faith going on in yes. because B- Bishop Van was actually still in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if, uh, you know, people went to the original church, but right. the original church, you were almost walking in and you're like, this is Bishop Van, like, like the mirror city of Detroit go here, yeah. you know, like, right. <laughs> like it, it, it would throw you off. Correct. And then everything with little rock as well. Like mm-hmm. it, it was, a, it was so much of, a a world to its own still yeah. connected to Detroit. Definitely right faith centric right there on the north end. From from pretty much Highland Park mm-hmm. all the way to um East Grand Boulevard. Yeah. Was pretty much locked up on that strip with those two. And so very, very uh faith based in in its roots. And then even the, the Catholic Church was there too. So the and with all of that, still, the challenges of uh, of drugs, Absolutely. prostitution, Absolutely. big time, um, big time, um, breaking and entering. Um, oh, that was a big thing. Yes, so, I was gonna I say mean, in that neighborhood, it was that was and that was one of the benefits of having a, a Miss Bennett, and the reason why she was able to connect with those people is because she offered a different reality mm-hmm. to them, an avenue of escape. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a bat, but a basketball court, you know, football being able to have the field open to run and play football, it offered a different reality. Yeah, the summer childcare, yeah, because as much as it was a summer program for kids, it was childcare so mm-hmm. that parents could parents could work, work. with the, with their mind at ease because you know it was like leaving them with your auntie. You, you got <laughs> you that know, right. Who was trusted? It was trusted, and you knew if they get out of line, she was gonna straighten them out. It, well, it that was, was going to happen as well. <laughs> that was definitely it going was to definitely happen. some straightening happening, and so, um, and and even in that reality, um, living on the, before we moved to North End, living with near family and relatives, I still had that experience of the community accountability of you because mm-hmm. they didn't play. You know, if they caught you in some stuff that you shouldn't have been doing, the neighbor got you, mm-hmm. and then they told your parents. And then my auntie and them made a found out before my parents came home. And then they got us. Yeah. And then our parents came home. Yeah. And then oh, we heard that she was doing like damn. They had to tell everything. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. The whole ah. neighborhood know now. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> and so, you know, seeing well, again, that was my first reality. But also, being that we had a friend in that house, it gave me connection. You know, so that's an early connection to what I've been raised here in my my whole life and and seeing the way that we look at our people is very different. Mm-hmm. But that was my reality in seeing that side of it because we, we grew up pretty, I mean, fairly sheltered in our understanding around things, mm-hmm. which is the job as a parent. They want to they protect the mind and the well-being of the children. Yes. Um, but certain reality, one of the things that my parents did not do is shield us from realities that we would later have to face. And then we have to look at them like, <laughs> tell me about this. Yeah. And so they, my father and my mother never shielded us from those realities. Um, but that was my first hands-on experience because I had friends that lived there. And then seeing them ship moved away based upon their connection to that reality. You know, so that was a big thing. And then the second uh, one was maybe it was two doors down 
yeah. from us. And father told him the same thing, you know. Pretty much, you know, so move, or, move or be moved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and that ended up being, you know, that cleared up the block. And my father made a name for himself based upon that reality in that wow. neighborhood. Wow. Um, along with him taking my older brother out with the Final Call newspaper door to door to make those face-to-face encounters with our people because they they they're in all, we 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 living in all different kinds of realities. Mm-hmm. We come face to face with all the different um, walks of life that our people are living in. Yeah. And so um they make we able to make that human connection with our people to say, yeah. okay, um this is what we see. This is what we living with, son. These are some of the realities that we have to face and we offer solution to. Not just seeing them and saying, you know, you know, damn, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. But being able to say, well, there's a possible way out of this reality mm-hmm. if this knowledge comes to you. That yeah. does not have to be a, con- a constant in your in your life um, if you move yourself away from these, this environment mentally. Yeah. And as you talk about moving mentally, uh, <clears throat> your relationship with the Nation of Islam. And that that triggered me reaching out to you, too, because yes, Savior's sir. Day will be taking place in the city of Detroit. Yes, sir. Sunday, February 23rd. Yes, and so sir. it's like two back to back big dates. So yeah. I'm on Saturday night, I'm watching the Deontay Wilder fight <laughs> right. and I'm waking right up <laughs> <laughs> to hear the brother minister. Yes, sir. So um, so with this reality growing up in the nation, mm-hmm. uh, what was it like just being a child uh, in the in that institution of faith? that uh, along with faith comes with responsibilities, yes. protocols, roles, yeah. Uh, yeah. even as a child. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you growing up in that? I would say it was probably one of the most beautiful experiences that I had. Of course, everybody has a different yeah. perspective hey. yeah. to um, what their reality was. It all mm-hmm. depends on um, the parents. And Now, what I will say, my parents were extremists. And, some, and I mean, by, by <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, some of it was 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 could be propelled into that because Absolutely. that's kind of like the next question is Absolutely. not just being a, a, a child in the nation, but being a child of the minister. Yes. Oh, man. It's a whole other reality. A heck of a, <laughs> you know, in the Detroit chapter. So it's not like this is the. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not like this is the right. the, the Albuquerque. Right, exactly. No, Albuquerque. exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, it's Saline Nation that's of real. Islam where no. it's like five people. You know <laughs> no, what I'm saying? No, that's real. It, I, I, that has a big part to do uh, with it. I think the. So uh, that's almost like you, you know what I'm saying? You eat <laughs> you eat one bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos. It's like, see, I told you. I told you. I told you. They and, with the same poison. <laughs> and so you live in, the, of course, you living in those realities and um, of what at that time seem extreme one of the things um the benefits is always being we were separate only from some of the uh vices that the majority of our people engage in Mm -hmm. but all of our friends weren't muslims or in the nation of islam we were friends with the neighbors and they're like why y'all gonna eat this why don't do that why don't do that oh this Mm -hmm. y and z x y and z you crazy. Making uh, good. <laughs> right, right. Mm. <laughs> and I think the the environment of Savior's Day is what really helped us as young Muslims 
shape the reality because this is what our own black nation looks, looks like. like. And so it really gave a very beautiful perspective to see all of these people, even the children who are who have not come into the knowledge of their own being yet. They're living a reality of this is what a world of blackness looks like mm. when we all come together in unity around a common goal. And so, I mean, you look at the early roots of the Nation of Islam when the the the, the master Fahd Muhammad, Fahd Muhammad yeah. made himself known in this city um, in 1930. Yeah, and, and let's let's put it like this: back to Detroit Black history. Oh, this some the Nation of this Islam. Some, this some real starts in it its starts teachings. Here. It starts of the, right here of, of the master teacher Fahd Muhammad. Absolutely, and he was at that time went by many different names. They called him Professor Ford um, because at that time they weren't. They did not know, and he did not make known to who he was. Mm-hmm. He did not meet the Honorable Elijah Muhammad until September of 1931. Mm-hmm. But he made himself known in the city of Detroit in the 1930s, and he went door to door um, selling silks and other raiments from China, the Far East. And he would tell the people, he would tell our people when he met them, that this is from your brother in the East. And they're like, what? My brother in the East? Our mind is so fixed on, uh, you got to remember, this is the, mm-hmm. pr- the, the post-Great Depression. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking anything outside of the neighborhood of the block that we're living on. Mm-hmm. And he's making a connection with us to a whole other continent. And then also, <laughs> so, also, information itself was not as readily available for all yes, people. Yes. But uh, the, the blocks between the black man walking into a library yes. and finding that knowledge Absolutely. and getting access to that knowledge was very, you know, Google did not exist. So no, you couldn't no. just, you I mean, as, YouTube, as our like, brother Deontay, okay. Deontay Wilder would say, to this day, yes. they still have, you yes. got to show your ID and all of this paperwork <laughs> just to get into certain parts of the library yeah, very to get true. information. Very true. Periodics and everything, you have to show, like they need some, they need some, uh, Collateral, yes. To say if you mess this Very up, much. we got you. Very much so. And so you're talking about high science and geography and information that he's bringing to yeah. our people at this time, which was also a direct assault on a lot of the um, Jewish gang organizations in the city at that time. The Purple yeah. Gang yeah. was big time in Detroit, and yeah. they were running the rackets on the north in the North End. Yeah. And so all the money that was coming through the North End of Black Bottom and Paradise mm-hmm. Valley, that was going through Jewish hands. Yes. Gang members, the Purple yeah. Gang. And so when Master Fahd Muhammad came bringing a teaching that would pull us away from those lifestyles, this is a direct threat to financial um, pockets. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I think, um, you know, as, as this story continues on, even with uh, <coughs> the, the, the massacre at you know new bethel with the republic of new absolutely. africa absolutely uh before that the mm-hmm. the many the many attacks on the nation's first mosque here in detroit absolutely go time and time and time and time and time and time again as i'm just getting this information from the descendants of those families that were some of the first members of absolutely. the nation of islam it's absolutely. like i'm not even getting that information isn't 
on YouTube, yes, you know, because yes. some of it gets pulled down and it's not yeah, as explicit. It, it's not but some of it available. is accompanied with the Detroit the Police Department, absolutely, the FBI, absolutely, uh, many organizations of the start of what the Nation of Islam began. It was very dangerous into absolutely what uh, the position that Elijah Muhammad took on. Yes, and and what happened with Far Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And, and and many of those other members, yes. it was yes, and it so was dangerous. It's so many, it's so much history, and um, God willing, we'll have those who come to Savior's Day weekend. They'll have uh, historic tours where you go to see some of the historic sites, mm-hmm. accompanied by some of the historic um, things that took place. But you had this city. The reason why you have the freedom now for privatization of schooling is because of those early followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so when they came and started taking the children or attempted to take the children out of the homes, but the the parents, after they got these teachings, they started taking their children out of the public schools. And they said that they were de- they were contributing to the delinquency of minors from, by, from pulling their children out of schools, and they literally fought with the police department. That's on record. Mm-hmm. And... Many, but many police officers were went to the hospital. They were the Muslims was throwing down because they weren't having that. You're not going to take my children from yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, this is, and, and so this is was the early days mm-hmm. of the private schools. And so all of those private schools and charter schools, they owe a, 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 a debt of gratitude to the nation of Islam. Those early followers of the honorable Elijah that are Muhammad. outside of the system of uh, absolutely. Catholicism, absolutely, and, and, and the Catholic school system mm-hmm. through the parish system that yep. has been accepted, and as much as uh, is said that it's a separation of church and state, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church has been in uh, intertwined, absolutely, right in the mix in in the foundation of America since its inception. Certainly, so uh, learning, learning this, uh, and, and and getting this knowledge, just just being a child. Um, in that household and who your father was. Cause to this day, and it's not just me, um, back to <laughs> the Deontay statement to this day. <laughs> so many people day. love your father. Yes. Um, adore your father, but he's still your dad. Yes. You know, Absolutely. Uh, what was it like growing up and, and, you know, and even like people like me, it's like, just, you know, from the left, like this, this guy that does like more rapping and whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow. It's like, you know, these people look up, to your dad and he's still your dad correct um what was that like was it was it more of a uh what was the the, the stressors like what were the benefits like how, how did you pan through that growing up well it was you know you have to balance um it, it was hard to try to balance that kind of thinking mm-hmm. i'm thankful that he's still alive and i can appreciate him for who he is and yeah. who he was to us as a father but of course, I think there were times that um, I was I, we felt you know neglected as children because you have a responsibility to operate and run in that capacity as a minister. I'm gonna use uh, the statement Tupac said, <coughs> like uh, growing up sometimes as his mother was more involved with the Panthers and mm-hmm. what happened after so many of the atrocities to the Panthers. He said, sometimes I felt like my mom was more a mother to the people than her own people sometimes. Like, he he dealt with that as a child. Yeah, I I definitely think that existed um, for the family unit 
I mean, mm-hmm. I have nine siblings. Yes. And so you're talking about having to spread love. <laughs> yes. Across them, across ten children. And the Plus city. the city. And the nation. And the nation. Yeah. And so um, I think that definitely existed as a reality. But, again, I'm thankful that Allah did not take him from us before yeah. I was able to see the value of having a father, a real father, not only just present um, physically, mm-hmm. but present for the realities that he's looking. Not only does he have to see these realities out in the world, but in his own household and, and he, being able to address that right at home. And as you talk about that, he played the role of a father figure for so many. So as, many. Uh, absolutely. As we see the challenges in, in our community where mm-hmm. the – I don't even want to use the term absenteeism, but just due to the the challenges of America um, and the strains on uh, black fathers being present in homes yes. for 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 women and men. Yeah, uh, he played that role Definitely. of a father figure. Definitely, uh, with principle, balance, mm-hmm. offering knowledge, and and being beneficial for 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 so many people. Yes, you know. I think the 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 key for us. Um, what I think what what brought it all together and what made it all worth it is, um, and for families to do this still, is the dinner table. That was a a, a founding stone in our house. Hmm. When was the dinner table? That was where we all brought everything, good or bad. Yeah. Whatever your um, even if your idea was shot down. Yeah. <laughs> we brought it to the table. And that was a place for us. That was our haven to be able to address our father in that in that way. It was kind of like we sitting at the the nights of the round table, and everybody <laughs> got a chance to voice what it is, you know, what their experience of the day. But that dinner table is so important. Um, I have three children now, and my children they go crazy. My daughter, she's like, "Family eat, family eat," because our schedule is so hectic. When we can actually sit down at the table and all eat together, it mm. means so much, and it goes a long way. But that was a big part of the keeping that bond the holding together. bond of the family and keeping the family together was sitting at the dinner table over a home-cooked meal and sitting down and eating. And so um, much to my father's uh, benefit was my mother and all of what she gave and sacrificed to build us and grow us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny now, at work, some of my, my button, a few times my button came off, just, and I and the, the women at work see me sewing, and they're like, oh, you, you like sewing for real? I said, yeah, I mean, I was single before I was married, and I had to know how to do these things. So mm-hmm. cooking, cleaning, and sewing, those are staples for us in our house. So all of my brothers, that's what we knew how to do that. Mm. Based on seeing my mother and she watching us and, and and training us in that way because that came out of the class of the MGT and GCC, which is in the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So she she had it in the class, but she brought it home. Wow. And her sons were able to grow up being able to cook and clean and sew. All mm-hmm. three of us, me and my brothers, we, we, we were all raised up on that reality of yeah. you need to learn how to clean. You need to know how to cook, and you need to be able to sew. You should be able to do a hem on your pants and put your button back on, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think those are some of the elements that are missing. But she held it down. And while my father was able to be a father 
to the world and to the city and to the nation and to other people, we had a foundation at home. It's so important that the, the home foundation, and I know some si single women think that they're not able, but the great that those great ones, the one that we, we t we're looking to come and see on February 23rd, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan did not have a father physically present to raise him in that way. His mother raised him. Mm -hmm. And she was, and he said, it's very hard to do, but she was both male and female. She was mom and dad. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to do, but she was disciplined. And he said that, that Allah sent him people along the way that would further help him grow, chief being the most honorable Elijah Muhammad that grew him into manhood. But the early days was his mom. Mm -hmm. And so, and she instilled and beat truth in and lies out. And she also instilled love for his people at an early age. And so that was a shared experience for me. So when I first heard that story from the minister, I said, man, that's me in mm -hmm. that, in that reality that, my father did not accept lies and lying in the house. Mm -hmm. And so now when I'm dealing with young boys now who are, this is what they do. I said, I know you lying before you even start Hilarious. to form because I'm a, I'm a reformed liar. brother. <laughs> so I used to do it. And I thought I was doing it I'm well. And my, and my father would just be like, he'd just shake his head. Cause he'd be like, damn, he just don't even, he don't understand. He think he's mm -hmm. fooling me, mm -hmm. but he only hurting himself. And so, and I would ask, so I asked the young boys, I said, do you know how I know that you already lying? And they're like, no, why? I said, because I used to lie too. <laughs> so, and I know, I know the facial expressions and the little micro expressions that your face does Hilarious. when you're lying. So Hilarious. it's that, for that experience as growing up in the nation of Islam, for me, it was a little hard early on, but as a growing up, as a now, as a father, and see, as a husband, I'm like, man, you see more of the benefits. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Though now, of course, some things I do differently with my son mm -hmm. because that's the desire of any father mm -hmm. is for his son to take it a little bit further and not be so, you know, tight fist when you have understanding. Mm -hmm. And so many of the, you know, missteps that I'm not able to judge my parents on, that's something that I can take as a lesson for not to do. Of what, of, 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 of how to apply. Absolutely. And apply when you were in the situation. And so now mm -hmm. I have a different perspective on it to see, well, okay, now I understand why he did what he mm -hmm. did at that time, but I can do it a little different because I know better now. Yes. I have a little more, my skill set is, is a little uh, more advanced. And so I'm able to move. But the discipline in household is what's missing. And so you see the separation of fathers and sons and mothers and daughters because there's no discipline in most of the households. And, and most times now, in some cases, the children are more disciplined than the parents mm -hmm. and or they're equally no discipline between both child and parents. Yes. And so some children are more disciplined financially than their parents are. And so they'll save up money and then unresponsible parents take money from the children mm -hmm. like you owe. You're like, well, I'm irresponsible. I'm saving this money for because they're trying to get out. Yeah. And so the discipline that's, that was missing in a lot of the black families is that discipline um, in the household. Not abuse, discipline. And there's a thin line. When you, in the, in the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, when you do not set up a structure or put a structure in place and you just, um, now you beat your children, that's abuse. 
But once you have a structure in place and they and they understand the clear lines that this is how things should go, mm-hmm. now I can discipline you back to the structure. But if there's no structure, I'm just beating you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that I'm trying to get you back to but just to listen to me because I'm an adult. But once you have structure, you can enforce discipline to say, well, okay, you know, let's make a better decision because this is the outcome from these decisions. So I think if we have the discipline, no, you don't have to be a part of the nation of Islam in that sense, but you are a part of it anyway because you are part of the larger us yeah. that is the Lost tribe of Shabazz. <laughs> we, we, we are part of it. And yeah. so you are a part. You may not be a member in the mosque, but you will always be a part of the nation of Islam. That's that's a reality that most of our people don't want to accept, but it is. That's that's us. And that's another question that I have, because yes. even churches themselves, yes. and I assume many faith-based organizations mm-hmm. have the, you know, what's our responsibility to the community beyond the yes. membership itself? Yes. Churches churches consistently um, battle with this mm-hmm. as, like, the role of, like, the community especially a black community yes. as a public figure. And your mm-hmm. father was very active throughout many communities, along with certain other faith-based leaders. Yes. Um, w- were inside inside the mosque, were, were there people that felt differently? Were there people that felt like, man, you know, sh- should we be more focused on, on the people that are in the room as mm. opposed to, like, welcoming more people into the room? Like, gotcha. what, what, what's the politics with that? There's always um, that which exists, and that was placed by our open enemy. There are mm-hmm. always agent provocateurs and those who carry the mindset of a Judas mm-hmm. in the group. When we look scripturally, when, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, mm-hmm. not coincidentally, the first one that spoke up was Judas. <laughs> what you mean? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. He didn't know it was he didn't know it was going to be him, but it spoke to something that had already existed yeah. inside of himself that had to be called out. Yeah. And so and then you didn't see the reality of it until later. And so there's always those who have a different way of how they think things should be done. But when you look at the early days of the 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 teaching of Jesus, it was very specific to a particular group they only dealt he was he was the historic figure jesus was a prophet only to the jews he did not go outside of that area Mm -hmm. and then later on he told the disciples go ye unto all because it was very specific so when you look at the history of the nation of islam during the time of the honorable Elijah muhammad at our inception it was very specific Mm -hmm. because we had to be pulled out of a certain way of thinking and through our progression, through our progression and growth, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has been able to reach the entire world with the same teaching. He didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. It the time there's a you know the time release you know the time release capsule. It, mm-hmm. it has to be there for a certain time before all of the parts start to get to the other parts of the body. And so, the wisdom in what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave. Part of it was for a time. Mm-hmm. The rest was for another time. So there are always those who are, when you're small-minded, you only think about how you're going to be immediately affected by decisions that are made mm-hmm. rather than the long-term effects of decisions that are made wow. because I'm thinking long-term. 
And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told Minister Farrakhan, said, he said, brother, you have to think for the whole and speak for the whole. So rather you agree with all of what the minister says or not, his job is to think and speak for the whole. And he has been the only one of black leadership to, to be out front in that way to speak on behalf of the whole. Whether they say, yeah, I'm with him or not, he speaks for the whole of our people. And that's what I mean by you're always going to be a part of the nation of Islam. As black men, we have a responsibility to our people. As religious figures, we have a responsibility not just to um, speak the word, but actively be involved in it. Mm -hmm. Because you can say you the most faithful person, but it's without the work, it is dead. So we, we, we have to judge those not based upon the friends that they make, but you judge them based on his enemies. Look mm -hmm. at the enemies of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and you have to ask the question, why them? Why this one? Why that one? And so they, they in, in, in Scripture it said you'd be hated for, for his name's sake. Mm -hmm. When you mention the name of Jesus, that's not you don't get hated for that. People fall in love with you when you say Jesus, they fall in love. And dang, they're bowing at your feet. But when you mention the name Firecon, oh, man, people start getting uncomfortable and and they start fidgeting in their seat because yeah. that's a name that that without a cause is hated, is hated because of his job and role to resurrect the minds of our people. And he's not trying to get you to go with him. Mm. And that's the thing about Minister Firecon that they they're they're puzzled by. He's not trying to get everybody to get up and come with me. Just change the way that you're thinking and have an immediate effect on the community that you're in. Make our communities a decent and safe place to live. They looked at every march that we had as a rally for him to get people to join the Nation of Islam. That wasn't what it was. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> so. I've never in my life, as close as I am to your father, as close as I am to you, as close as I am to so many other people in the nation, uh, Machete, nobody's ever, Victor, you know, Troy, nobody's ever said, hey, brother, you joining? <laughs> right, I've right. never, I've never, it, it, you know, it, it's just a different approach. Absolutely. Uh, but the question, the question is, in, in, our, in our teaching, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, make all men and boys join the FOI. Mm -hmm. There's value in the training of the FOI. And uh, definitely, you know, I trust <laughs> all of that training. And I think the discipline in many of our institutions Absolutely. do. Uh, you'd be surprised. Some of the most gangsters, rappers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, most questionable uh, entertainment figures mm -hmm. uh, to <laughs> right. politicians. Absolutely. To um, almost everyone. When you see who leads mm -hmm. their security team, their security Absolutely. force. Absolutely. Usually it's FOI because of the discipline. Yes. Through the training. Absolutely. And that's the that's the the key. Not that because everybody's not going to be a Malcolm X figure. Everybody's not going to be a minister Farrakhan. Everybody's not going to be Muhammad Ali. But the training will allow you to even if you don't stay in the mosque per se, the training will allow you to go now, how, are, how effectively are you using the training where you live? Because now when people know that you have it, they're going to look to you now. Oh, what you doing? Mm -hmm. And so to get the training, 
you may not ever be a part of the mosque or a registered member in that way, but you're always a part of the nation as a whole mm-hmm. under the, the 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 construct of what it what is involved. And because the, as the nation of Islam, we don't just talk that talk. We have laws and bylaws and which will allow us to move freely um, as a as a whole. Yeah, and, and let not me, just as a singular group. And let me say this, because uh, as L.A. and a lot of America and definitely the sports world mm-hmm. mourns the passing of Kobe Bryant. Absolutely. This uh, this this past spring, summer, mm-hmm. the murder of Nipsey Hussle. Absolutely. Um, not only it. Not only did it require the role. Come on. Of of the Nation of Islam. The discipline of the FOI helped mitigate some of the conflicts. I've known people were saying between the gangs, but a Absolutely. lot of that was between the police officers and our people that have targeted yes many people labeled yes. as gang members. Absolutely, and Los Angeles itself. So the so the 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 procession mm-hmm. after the service from the Staples Center of Nipsey Hussle was not was was supported and and it ushered safely through the fruit of Islam. Absolutely. With with no guns. None. With all just the respect between really representing the neighborhood and the people mm-hmm. labeled as gang members. Absolutely. And mitiga- mitigating whatever could happen between the city of Los Angeles. But the yes, mayor sir. of LA, yes sir. Uh the police chief of LA, yes sir. were on the phone with uh with with the nation of Islam, yes, to make sure that this happened. But this is the strength of the fruit of Islam, and I don't know how many people know these stories yeah, that and exist. It, and it was beautiful to see them on Fox News holding up the copy of the Final Call newspaper, <laughs> <laughs> saying members of the nation of Islam are passing out these newspapers. And I said, "Wow, we on now!" Hilarious, <laughs> so, hilarious. But but to see one. When it start to get a little heated prior to the procession happening, Minister Farrakhan sent a specific message to our brother, who's the uh, editor-in-chief for the uh, final call, our brother Abdul Aziz, I'm Abdul Rasul, and he gave a message to the people asking them, from him, for us to continue to respect the family, and quote, and immediately, immediately, it got quiet when he said that it, this was a message coming from Minister Farrakhan mm-hmm. and all the thousands of people who were out there. It got quiet and the word passed on down the procession line. Yes. And it was it was peace fully. This is what the enemy of us fear it, when when not just it's the reality of being able to with a single word say peace be still in it and that be the reality. They fear that. Because they've done so much wrong and they would be deserving of whatever came their way, they think that we would, as say, scripturally join on to a strong army and come against them. Yes. And so that's what they fear. But our role is to, as long as our people are in the condition of post-traumatic slave syndrome, as long as we're in that condition, the nation of Islam will have its relevancy until we are raised from that condition. And as you talk about that, I think of my uncle Wali, uh, that was 
the nation in Cincinnati, one of the most brilliant people I know, and um, and so many others. But it takes those pivotal messages, mm-hmm. as me and my father have these discussions sometimes, to connect with us. Like yeah. so, the message of Father Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, Minister Farrakhan, like your father, like it takes black man you got to yes. connect with guys in the street. Absolutely. That Absolutely. their whole life have been labeled and disconnected mm-hmm. from any semblance Absolutely. of relevance beyond being uh, labor and, and, and enslaved labor, mm-hmm. a criminal, which is another form of enslaved Absolutely. labor, or possibly uh, some game to be murdered, you Absolutely. know, but just completely disregarded. So to be held up in this pedestal of black man, you got it, it changes the disposition and the relationship that Farrakhan has with people in the, 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 the throughout, but definitely on the streets. Yes. It's, it's almost on a different pulse that you've never seen. Absolutely. And when I say that, the nation itself, I'm using Farrakhan as a proxy to say, really, the nation, the relationship the nation of Islam has with the with the black community itself is so well respected and adored that nothing that 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 form of power with this group of people that they label as displaced, mm-hmm. you know, who the Democratic Party right now is saying, why, why don't these people vote? Yeah. Right. You know, right. Like you can't even reach these people or or we have to spend billions of dollars. Should we give them a free cell phone? Yeah, Should right. we, you know, <laughs> offer them a job? Should we offer them unemployment? Mm-hmm. Like where the words themselves just connect because of the reputation and the acts of mm-hmm. love that we've yes. seen for that's, generations. That's major, the acts of love. And it has to come from a real, genuine place. And I think that's what has, um, especially of recent, has held, and not when I say recent, I mean the last 50 yeah. years, has held many churches back because they have not been genuine with our people. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we move often in crisis mode when you come it's like, what you doing here? Yeah. Rather than, you know, it's good to see you. And, and let me say that even going further, like um, it as an institution, and we're definitely speaking in the macro, not the micro, because yes. there are so many figures, preachers even. Uh, yes. I think some of the work uh, in meeting Freddie Haynes uh, mm-hmm. that he's doing in Dallas is, is powerful. Yes. But like what happens as they pass on? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a strong relationship with Frida Sampson and we think about Fred G. Sampson and yes. what he did at Tabernacle. But mm-hmm. how does that carry over after he passes? Absolutely. Yep. You know, like, does the institution exist as we see the institution of the nation of Islam being ever present? Yes. And we and on that, we we are celebrating 90 years this yeah. year, celebrating 90 years. And the key is being able to connect with our young people mm-hmm. when you don't genuinely connect with our young people your organization is doomed to fail and that's why the social media the videos the the content itself uh minister farrakhan was the first person i saw as people say like i don't know how they're gonna edit the interview you know yeah Yeah. he'll sit down and interview (laughs) with alex jones he'll sit down and interview with bill maher but he's taping it himself absolutely you know he learned early on it's like so yeah so all right uh 60 minutes you're gonna play (laughs) that version of the interview right you have our own outlet to expose what our version of you play and they and they play maybe 30 minutes of the 
160 that they yes. taped and cut it up two and, hours. You know what I'm saying? It's like, minutes. you know, I kill all Jews. <laughs> and it's like, okay, he never and so put this put put these sentences together as uh as it's like show me the speech. Yeah. And so much of this is documented and, and it's orated. And and right now, as you talk about talking to the young people, yeah. uh, the Nation of Islam as a faith based institution. I would say is the strongest faith based Absolutely. institution as far as disseminating information Absolutely. through this multimedia wave yes. of creating content. And it's been the fight that we've fought this last year in particular, dealing with social media, them banning the Yambo Minister Louis Farrakhan yeah. from all social media platforms. Yeah. Shows you how effective they from nineteen ninety five to twenty fifteen. There was a media whiteout of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. They mm-hmm. whiteballed him because all of these white executives said, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. We cannot allow this message to get to these young people. Mm-hmm. And so you saw a rise in your um, post-crack you know, post uh, crack era. You have a lot of young people who came up on methamphetamines and you know just the pharmaceutical drug industry, yeah. marijuana being... Um, as our brother Dr. Wesley been um, weaponized against mm-hmm. the young black men to feminize them and take them away from what it means to be black men and what now this term this the popular term is toxic masculinity anything that is representative of what yeah. um, the representation of what men should be as protectors and guardians of the, of the neighborhood yeah. is seen as toxic masculinity now there is toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. but the representation of being a protector and a maintainer in the home and protecting and securing and respecting our women, that should never be seen as toxic. But that is the image that they will show you that that's toxic masculinity. So you're looking at the, the fight that we fought in this last year to continue getting the message of, of the minister to our people. And and trying to skillfully still use social media to do it, even though they've they've blocked him and shut him down. Yeah. It shows so from again from ninety five to twenty fifteen. And what broke it open in twenty fifteen is Charlemagne the God and the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. they utilized their platform to allow Minister Farrakhan to come on as we were promoting for the twentieth anniversary of the Million Man March. Yeah. Which was the the inception of all of the young people being awake to who the Honorable Minister with Farrakhan was. Mm-hmm. This was this generation's Million Man March. And so all these young people from the HBCUs, they made their their pilgrimage to D.C. And what the minister gave there, two moments in particular that connected with me, because I, I unfortunately did not get to go to the Million Man March. But I was a. I just saw all of the planning that went into and went to the rallies and visited some of the churches with my father and after, um, uh, with my mother, going to the different places to see, you know, getting a read on how many men that we had actually on the mall in D.C. Um, I was the the justice or else march on in Washington um, in 2015 was very pivotal for me because. It made a connection for me as a young man and seeing all of these millennials come and hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Two moments in particular, he prayed. He told all of the mothers who were expecting 
to place their hand on their womb and say this prayer with him. And he, and, he, and he said, even if it's a child that you may not have wanted, even if it's a child that you may not have wanted, not be a, not through rape, but those, you know, that this, this rise in Planned Parenthood will force primarily black women to go and murder their child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he said, pray, because he said that every child is an answer to a prayer. So he told them to pray over the womb of the uh, over we prayed over the wombs of all of the pregnant women who were there um in 2015 and then those seeds that he dropped of wisdom in all of the young people there and at the end he told us to turn and embrace your brother and you could feel the magnetism of love amongst our people and so the 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 enemy when i say enemy i'm talking about the united states government who actively goes against that reality of us uniting together. They went to work to swiftly get him off of the social media platforms. Yeah. Since then, mm-hmm. they've been they were heavy at work going after the minister. And so we have been we formed the um Farcon Twitter army. And so any and that's where we that's where we thrive mm-hmm. in being able to defend our teacher in that way for those who come after him on social media we go and defend him mm-hmm. and this and the mindset of how around we are Farrakhan because many of us don't even know but you a Farrakhan baby <laughs> so many don't know you came up under his voice and influence whether you listen to him directly or not because as I tell the young people when I talk to them your favorite rapper's favorite rapper is the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan and mm-hmm. so they listen to him even the young boys that we think are fools, when the minister comes around, they sit at his feet yeah, looking for the wisdom because they want to know how to be able to um, do the things that they're doing and get the draw from being with wisdom and not with the foolishness that they really don't even want to be engaged in, but the paycheck is calling them to do it differently. Yeah. And so I listened to the interview with uh, 21 Savage. Mm-hmm. On the Breakfast Club, he said, "I would never call my mother and my sister the B word." Mm-hmm. But I'll say it on the record because they pay me to do it. Yeah, and I'm like, "Wow!" Because he like, he said, "Me, you see the level of wisdom and respect," and and they came after him. Yeah, and so I mean, I, I think <laughs> they they came after him with the whole like uh, he had that comment of um, what was it? And, and it was so it was so strange because it was kind of like him and LeBron James. He had yes. the comment like, "I want to make money like Jew. I want to get this Jewish money." Yes. So he had that comment, and then like the very next song is, you know, I call my. It, it's okay. So for the person listening to hip hop, and this is definitely where like a lot of my uh, older audience is like, "This is why I don't listen to it." He has a song where he's like, "I call my chopper KKK because it hates niggas." <laughs> yeah. So like a chopper is a is a machine gun. Yep. So it's like a song where he's saying, I want to make Jewish money. The uh anti defamation league mm-hmm. uh came after him and yes. LeBron James was like working out while that song was on in the background. And and that led to him to apologize. I want to say he took the song out the ref off the record, but I call my I call my chopper KKK because it hates niggas stays on the record right yes you know and so and it's like it's like the messaging like that it's like absolutely, ah absolutely ah and that's been the big drive to silence the honorable minister louis farrakhan because he has been exposing mm-hmm. 
not the real Jews, and he's made that a very specific. There are real Jews, mm-hmm. but the ones that he's talking about mm-hmm. are so-called Jews yeah. and not a part of the synagogue of Satan because you are you mm-hmm. are the engineers and architects of filth, which are not rooted in in the Jew in Jewish practices. Mm-hmm. And so, and so now you see the the history come around. Mm-hmm. Master Father Muhammad comes to Detroit and and and, and comes directly at this the the uh, bottom line of these Jewish gangsters, the Purple Gang in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Now all these years later, here come this other group of so-called Jews coming after Minister Farrakhan, and they first showed their head when he came in defense of our brother Jesse Jackson yeah. as he was run, making his presidential run. So mm-hmm. there is a, we have to be able to be intelligent enough to connect the dots to see the only one, if you when you're dealing with our people scripturally, and you asked this question before, he has to deal in the reality of scripture because this is one of the things that our people are is easily more understood. So when he makes these connections, scripturally, the only one who had ever argument or any dealings with the Jews was the Christ, mm-hmm. Jesus. He had an argument with the Jews. Mm-hmm. And in that argument, he, he you know, they're basically defending themselves, you know, um, Abraham is, is our father. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, if Abraham is your father, you would do the works of Abraham. Well, damn, okay, well, God is our father. Oh, well, if God was your father, you would love me. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he told the Jews at that time, who were, again, so-called Jews, you are of your father, the devil, mm-hmm. who was a liar from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, of the, and there are those who say that they are Jews but are not Jews and are of the synagogue of Satan. So you're looking at it become a manifest, and as and, and each time as he exposes these so-called Jews, because we have to know that the minister has Jewish friends mm-hmm. who are who are practicing Jews in the in in the real way. Yeah, I want to say like his last uh, he may mention like one of his last books was like some of his last writings were you know um, the secret relationships between. Blacks and Jews. Yeah, like, but no, no, but that was edited and approved by many rabbis. Yes, all so all of the, all of the, um, material, was cited from Jewish rabbis, mm-hmm. lawyers, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of these, and so when they came to him and said that you need to, um, you know, separate yourself from that because this is a calumny against the Jewish people, he said, well. I will if you will separate yourself from the scholars that we cited in the book. Mm-hmm. They never did that. Yeah. And so <laughs> this is what, so if you're not going to give them up, why would I give that up? Because you're confirming it to be true if you will not, um, what is the word they, they use? Um, denounce. Yeah. If you don't denounce this. He said if you, if I'll denounce it, if you denounce the scholars and lawyers that we cited mm-hmm. in the book, that's all the right, it's a comp. It's a compiling of information cited from Jewish lawyers and scholars who are seen by those as scholars. Not that we said were scholars, but those yeah. Jewish people who see these people as foremost in, in the history and the knowledge of. And their intricate role in the transatlantic slave trade that they don't want to, to give truth to. And so the minister has asked, let's have a showdown in public. And allow this to be 
uh, judged by the court of public opinion. Because once you present the facts, it's hard to refute. Whereas I think uh, <laughs> Minister Farrakhan may be one of the best uh, people to speak on anything. Absolutely. Um, and, and as we talk about that, uh, with Savior's Day coming, yes. the 23rd, uh, is very instrumental for, for our community, or Absolutely. I believe, um, for black people to connect to that message as you talk about just the that form of consciousness talking to our community directly. Mm -hmm. Um, what what organizing is happening here in the city of Detroit? Uh, how can people get connected to tickets? Yes. What should people do? Uh, what should people be prepared for? How how do you how do you get in the mix if you've never attended Savior's Day? So this Savior's Day is very um, unique. Um, one again, like I said, we're celebrating ninety years. Um, the theme around this Savior's Day is the Muslim program, and that is has been printed on the back page of the Final Call newspaper for since its inception. Mm -hmm. And we celebrate 40 years of the Final Call newspaper this year as well. Um, and the first three points on the Muslim program, it says, it says it's what the Muslims want. We want freedom. We want a full and complete freedom. We want justice, equal justice under the law. We want justice applied equally to all, regardless of creed or class or color. We want equality of opportunity. We want equal membership in society with the best in civilized society. And so that's the basis of what we're looking at this Savior's Day. So all of the workshops will be geared around those questions that are posed and statements that are posed in the Muslim program. Um, secondly, um, there is a town hall meeting happening on that Saturday, the 22nd at 2 p.m. at the Shrine of the Black Madonna, and that is the case for separation must be made because we have to see the value in in having our own separate from the um, historically and presently white-led and white privileged and the institutional racist um, structures. We have to have something separate for our own because because we have not been able to see justice, not in the way that it should be seen. We get it in, in spurts. And the expectation is that that should do you good until the next time we decide for you to get justice. Oh, mm -hmm. take this win. Take this win. And we ravel so heavy in the wins that we forget about the everyday injustices that happen. Yeah. And so Savior's Day, um, the, the, the theme for Sunday is the unraveling of a great nation. And the Honorable Minister of Farrakhan has been very silent and quiet on the issues that's taking place in America as they march on into war mm -hmm. and preparation for draft mm -hmm. is coming. And so if you've never been a part of Savior's Day, I, the one of the things I, I stress more than anything is if you desire to see black people moving in unity in what a world of our own could look like, I would highly recommend that you come to Savior's Day. Don't make a don't put the religious barrier in your mind. Know that it's just your people. Now, if you don't identify with the nation of Islam as your people, then that may not be the place for you. You may just get oh, your mind may be overwhelmed by seeing black Muslims together. But it is really a gathering of our people that I think every avenue and every community should be a part of, because you will only know where you fit if you come in, come into the room. 
you only know where you are if you're a part of the conversation. And so uh, Savior's Day, again, this was the best thing for me. It's, it's, it's ideal for young people. We have a children's village from um, our, our mother, Khadija Farrakhan, is sponsored every year so that the, she loves the children and she does something for the children every year. Um, we have something for everybody. The um, military drill competition is on Saturday night. And so those who um, are heavy into the step shows on the yard, this is what something that, this is what we do. This is how we stump down mm -hmm. in the Nation of Islam. And we have our drill competition. And so those, that has been a draw for a lot of our college students because they're used to seeing the, the, the fraternities and sororities do their thing. But this is our, this is a part of our culture in the Nation of Islam. You'll be able to get the bean pie. Mm -hmm. And so if you never had it, that's one that you, that's the place yeah. where you'll get it. Yeah. We'll have the pies on deck. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. a full, it's really a full experience. So if you really want to know what the Nation of Islam is all about, Savior's Day is the opportune time for you to come. And I, every year I make it a point to bring a young brother with me from the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. I took a brother one year to Chicago with me to okay. Savior's Day because I wanted him to experience that that reality. And he's never been the same since. Wow. <laughs> so I just, I always make sure I take somebody to Savior's Day if, if just so they can see, feel, and experience what black love is in motion. Savior's Day is that. It's full of that energy and really and people, and we beg, they, we beg for it to be extended for more days. And so one day we'll be able to do a week long mm. of festivities where we all just in the D. Okay. In, for a week. Yeah. And so <laughs> where we can just ex have a full experience. So there'll be um, the Nation of Islam Historic uh, Museum set up at the TCF Center, which is formerly Cobo Hall. Mm. They'll have historic tours going. There's a, um, there's a movie showing. I, I can't. I can't um, I don't have it. Let me see if I can pull it up. But there's a, a special viewing of a of a women's film showing um, that weekend as well. They just they just posted it out. If I when I find it, I'll send that to you. But there okay. there's a filming, um, a small screen filming of a, of a, a, a movie um, that they'll be playing. Um, we have our Juma prayer service for our wider Muslim community. That's on Friday at mm -hmm. 1 p.m. And that's not just for the Muslims. If you just want to know how to pray, mm -hmm. come to Juma. That's where the, the, a, a message is given or a, uh, a khutbah is given. And then we all bow down in congregational prayer. You will experience a full helping of the culture of what it means to be uh, in and not just in, but a part of the Nation of Islam. Again, you may not be in the mosque. But you are a part of the Nation of Islam yeah. because the wider part of it is our nine ministries which deal with trade and commerce mm -hmm. and defense and health and education. All of these are a part of what we need to build our own nation. And again, you won't know if you're not a part of the conversation. If a person wants to get this information, should they go online? Where, where should yes, they get you it? can go online at NOI.org slash Savior's Day. NOI.org slash Savior's Day. You can click the banner. You'll see the Savior's Day banner. If you want tickets, you can hit me up. I'm mm -hmm. on I'm on um, Facebook as Jalil Muhammad. On Instagram as I am Just Muhammad. On mm -hmm. Twitter as I am Just Muhammad. You can hit me up for tickets. And you can also come to our uh, mosque, which is 19160 Evergreen. And that's usually the ticket hours between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. You mm -hmm. can come and purchase tickets. 
Um, but uh, always, my line is always open. Brother got my number. Okay. And yeah. um, Reach people out need me. tickets, hit me up. Okay. Uh, my goal is the, the venue seats 12,000. And that's the easy number for Detroit. We packed four field. Yeah. That's 60. And yeah. So, and so I, I'm expecting Kobo to be filled at his seams with our people and really coming together because this is a very pivotal message for us to hear. We, we, everybody, we kind of mark time off of what the minister gives as guidance yeah. in the world that's going to hell. <laughs> so yeah. it's, 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 it's very, I think it's very important. It's pertinent because if you are part of that great nation that's unraveling, we should want to know. Let me, uh, let me ask you this too. Like as we transition, thank you so much. This is a great interview. And there's so much more I want to ask. Oh, brother, about. we. Uh, I'm gonna get most of your family in here too. <laughs> yes, sir. I didn't even get to ask you about the restaurant, Mr. Muhammad. For yes, a, a, yes. A, a great. Uh, my you dad had the was fish deep. subs, man. Oh man, my dad was <laughs> deep into like it was like a veggie sandwich. You guys did, man. Um, but okay, we'll we'll get to that <laughs> on another interview. But classic Detroit is different questions. Um, yeah. what was your very first car? Uh, year making model. When'd you get it? My very first car was a '97. Ford Ranger. Okay. Well, I yeah. got it. Um, I got this car 2012. Okay. Right before I got married, I was driving, bought it from my sister-in-law. Um, um, she was selling a, um, she's married to my brother. She's Mexican. So her father had a Ranger uh-huh. and she was like, I got a Ranger. I was like, let me get it. I okay. need, <laughs> I, need a, I need a whip. Where was <laughs> the first place you went when you got it? Um, first place I went when I got probably to work. I was working for the uh, <laughs> I was working for WC three at the time at the old Greenfield campus. They were okay. in the process of shutting it down, mm-hmm. and um, they they hired us as my father brokered a, a, a sweet deal for them to hire us, and mm-hmm. it was pretty much all the brothers in the in the for the FOI to get to get paid to assist, uh-huh. and so that's what we were working. So you all were kind of like transitioning from that West Side campus to the new West Side campus? To the new West Side campus, yep. Okay. And so we were securing that site until they fully uh, shut it down and made the transition. Okay. That that was actually my first wage job that I had Uh working for WC3. Ain't that something. Yeah. (laughs) It was a, hey, that's a, a big plus. Went in there, filled out that W-4, <laughs> yes, all that hey. stuff. All that stuff. All right, uh, next question. You're the DJ at the end of the Detroit Fireworks. You get to play three songs from Woodward and Jefferson. What three songs you playing? Woodward and Je- I definitely, you know, Detroit, for some reason, they we, we get on to Thank You, Beverly and Mays before I let you go. That's like a okay. thing. That's a thing. Yes. I got to play uh, T. Grizzly. You know, that um, – What's what's the the um the the main song the first song he dropped? Uh, T Grizzly. Uh, first day out. First day out. Gotta play first day out, and then um, I got you know just take it old school classic Detroit that tone tone. What up though? That's okay. <laughs> that's, right. that, that's for sure because it's gonna get people vibing. Those are they like tell, my de- Detroit they, vibes. They can song. tell you you uh, <laughs> the younger generation yeah, yeah, to yeah. the cookout. <laughs> It's like, who put him <laughs> on the ones and two? Everybody young be like, oh. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh. <laughs> so that that's, you know, those are, I mean, they. I, I feel like they kind of, especially those two artists speak to Detroit. Man, big shout-outs to um, Big Sean and, and his pro- progress as both as an artist and as an activist. Yeah. And really speaking on behalf of our people and specifically Detroit. Nowhere he goes where he don't mention Detroit. And that's why I love him so much because – He's very a home a home guy, 
when it comes, he always got Detroit on his mind. And, mm. I, and I, it's, it's evident when you hear him talk. He love home. You know, he's, he's a world traveler, but he love home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. And last question. If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? The Detroiter? It would probably be Miss Bennett. I mean, <laughs> talking I about, it. I mean, it's funny because Miss Bennett Avenue, because she, and, 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 and I wasn't even connected to Miss Bennett like that. But her name rung waves in the streets, bro. It, it was really <laughs> like she was like the godmother of other streets. It was crazy, she was. She was. but it was really like that. And 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 then I would, you know, if one of the side streets would be our brother Kwame Kilpatrick, mm-hmm. much many people have to say about him, one of the only mayors that I ever met, mm. that I actually met because he was in the hood on my block. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, what? Yeah. What up? And it was like, it was that kind of way. And he really was able to connect to our young people. Yeah. It, unfortunate that he did not, um, one, he, he, he didn't follow the guidance that Minister Farrakhan gave him, but he fell under the, the spell of the yeah. enemy and really their plot to destroy the image of young black leadership. Yeah, and, you got that right. <laughs> so you got that right. It, they, yeah, I remember like it was. Uh, man. Was, I want to say that was Tupac Hunter, like. Like one day after the charges came, Tupac Hunter put in that um, that ordinance to say, if you're a felon, then you have to wait at least thirty years after your felony to even run for office. Yeah, they, I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, man, the, the ink ain't even dry on like his charges and, and Tupac and Hunter. And it's like I, the 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 state house yeah. moved so expeditiously on some like mission, they were on some Detroit legislation, and, they, and that's him. and that's how many of it. You know, I see some of it as you know, of course human error and mistakes made as yeah. a young man but the setup is real and we can't oh, man, we, talk about we can't ignore the setup you, oh i I, we, I don't i don't <laughs> we that's even a deeper conversation right we know we know yeah. as young men as as being a 32 year old young black man we got to be able to peep the setup when it's coming and we have to be able to think our way out of situations and follow sound advice yeah and that's one of the things when you got ogs man listen to the ogs they know something about what you either dealing with or what you about to run into, but we got to be able to peep set up when it's happening. That's one that, that's like street rules. You yeah. know, you, yeah. you know that you see them, you know, you see them trying to surround you. You like, oh yeah, they about to oh, get man. me. I, I gotta, I gotta Talk be able to it. peep the setup and get the hell out because they Talk trying to, they it. trying to sneak me. Talk about <laughs> you it. know, so I, I'm, I'm really big on that with our young people and, and just killing this whole, this whole culture of, uh, camera phones. Um, while standing by while our women are beating the hell out of each other, are we killing each other, or when somebody else from another community is beating the hell out of us? Up, and the yeah. best that we can do is hold up a phone rather than act. Yeah. And so it's just you know being able to again peep set up, man. We got to be able to see that coming and be able to um, actively go against the grain and not be afraid to be the one that went against the grain. Yeah, definitely, man. This was powerful. I'm definitely going to circle you back. Thank you so much. No, thank I can't you, wait brother. to the 23rd. Yes, and like sir. I said, that's a big weekend because I'm going to go straight from uh, yes. watching one of my favorite black champions to another one of my I, favorite black champions. I mean, Black History Month already been on popping, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and got him a Super Bowl. Yeah. And and we just moving. And so we oh, yeah. we making 
history while we moving. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you know, we celebrate our history every day that we live. True indeed. In a country that don't give us no respect. True so. indeed. But I, I'm still I'm still thinking I I, I got to – and we don't talk more about that. I got to get – I may need to get Machete in here to talk <laughs> about that. Last time I was talking boxing with Machete. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Peace be. Yes, sir. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.